nothing tastes as good as a cup of Bahamian tea. Ah. The views and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entity or organizations. You are listening to the podcast, Tea and Talk, presented to inform, educate, inspire, and encourage meaningful conversations on Bahamian arts and culture. My name is Robert Bain, dancer, teacher, choreographer, and someone who believes in the preservation of all things Bahamian. I am sitting down with persons of like mind to discuss the Bahamian perspective on the arts and the Bahamian way. Now, let's welcome our guest. Welcome to Tea and Talk. Today is Saturday morning. We're up very early on Saturday morning. And um, I'm always excited when there's a podcast. Um, This morning, we have two amazing, beautiful, wonderful ladies um, who are on a mission. And uh, you know what this podcast is all about. It's about, it's a space created for the artist uh, where the artists can come in and express themselves. We can share, we can educate, uh, we have fun, um, we do things in order. And uh, yeah, we do things in order. Um, but I want to introduce uh, to, uh, this morning, um, like I say, two wonderful ladies in the name of Kristen uh, Carroll, who is with us from Chicago. And we have uh, Faith uh, Butler. Um, who is, of course, homegrown right here in Nassau. Welcome, ladies. Welcome to Tea and Talk. Thank you. Yeah. Good morning. Yeah. One of the things that we do at with Tea and Talk is uh, we have uh, the guests have a cup of tea. I share a cup of tea with my guests. And, and this morning I'm having a hibiscus tea. And, and Chris, I heard it's your favorite. Uh, but uh, we're having hibiscus tea. And I learned some things about hibiscus tea, actually. I didn't even know that it protects... Well, let me say this first of all. I ain't no doctor, so uh, I'm, and I'm not offering any advice to anybody. I, I, I did some research, and it said that this particular uh, tea, type of tea, uh, uh, protects uh, with antioxidants. Uh, the hibiscus plant is rich in uh, antioxidants, of course, uh, such as beta carotene, vitamin C. It fights inflammation. It lowers blood pressure. It lowers uh, cholesterol, promotes weight loss. It fights bacteria and support supports liver liver health. I wow. I didn't know that. That's, that's pretty good. It's powerful, isn't it? All right. Yes. Did, did you did you pick the hibiscus or did you purchase the hibiscus? Well, I, I, I there's a there's a company which I call no name uh, uh, that 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 creates it, and so I purchased it. Um, um, I have a friend that actually does it from the actual tree itself and you know but i didn't have the opportunity but i it, this one is purchased and i want to to also say if anybody wants to uh, advertise on this program or sponsor program will be awesome uh um you could always reach us at uh, t and talk dot bahamas 2023 at gmail.com that's t and talk dot bahamas 2023 at gmail.com now the reason we're here this morning well first of all I'm in, let me introduce my guest again. It's again, it's Kristen Carroll who is coming for, uh, with us from from Chicago, and uh, that's where you are, right, Kristen? 
Chicago. I am, I am right now at this very moment. I'm walkie doing choreography for a production of Seven Guitars. Good stuff. August will play. Yeah. a phenomenal playwright. Um, but yes, usually I'm in Chicago and not in the Bahamas. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. And 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 Faith is right home, right here, based right in Nassau. All right. And these. Uh, uh, well, first of all, let's tell us something about tell us something about. Chris, uh, Kristen and, and, and Faith, uh, so that the, that my audience, um, I'm sure people know who you are. Well, uh, I, I, I would say Faith and I met some time ago at the University of the Bahamas, which at that time was COB. Uh, we were both new lecturers. Faith, go ahead, you tell it. Yeah, I think we, we were first-time lecturers at, at, at the College of the Bahamas. My goodness, that seems like eons ago, Chris. And uh, we were both in the School of Education. Coming into the School of Education, Chris was about to teach uh, speech and drama and some other courses. I think it was educational, uh, introduction to education, you know, all the philosophers, you know, and Chris has that kind of mind, very, mm -hmm. you know, critical mm -hmm. thinking. And then um, I was teaching literacy courses as well as music for primary school teachers. So we bonded that way and we developed our curriculum together. We taught one course together, which was the, the, music for primary school teachers combined with the art for primary school teachers. She taught the art set, the art component. I taught the music component. And we just bonded over that. And then we had our first experience in Junkanoo. Mm. You know, Junkanoo, we, we were first lecturers participating in Junkanoo. And that was such a liberating experience for me and I mean Chris said come on Faith let's do it let's do it let's do it and I said okay <laughs> and we did it and had a great time and participated several times after that wow yeah, yeah I, I did not, I did not realize when working with Chris Justillian who's colors our junk new leader from colors I didn't realize that Chris Jillian had a relationship with my great aunt Shirley Hall Bass mm -hmm. who played Broadway Casino years years and years ago before I met Chris Justillian as a college professor. I was a college professor. Faith was a college professor. And when he said, you should join my Junkanoo group, I was, I couldn't wait. I thought it was a fantastic idea, not realizing the history um, and really not even realizing what it meant for Faith and I as college professors to be recruiting our young educational students to participate in what is really the most outstanding sort of legacy of Bahamian culture is dance. Well, I remember you as a teacher at Dance Bahamas um, at some point in time. Yes, coming into Dance Bahamas and teaching. Uh, that was special. Uh, and um, yeah, but I, uh, the, the, the thing that I ask all my guests before we start, before we get to the actual main uh, um, thing that we came here to talk about, um, well, you said that you're not Bahamian, but you spent more time here than anybody else, <laughs> Kristen. Um, and knowing that we are now uh, going through, we are now um, in the process of celebrating the 50th anniversary of, of this country, our independence. Um, and the question that I'd like to ask is, uh, where have we come? Uh, in this instance, where have we come in terms of the arts? Um, dance, 
however, however you want to frame it. And the same question to you as well, Faith. Uh, I think my language is going to be really strong. That's okay. So 20, 20 years ago, um, I came to the Bahamas really as an adult, right? I had spent every summer with, of my life there with Shirley, and I had watched her do some amazing things over the course of my childhood. The independence extravaganza was one of them. Miss um, Bahamas pageants. Shirley had a way of really diving into Bahamian culture, understanding the significance of things like stick dancing and folkloric dancing. She traveled around the region and learned other Caribbean dance forms and really valued like ethnographic research. She did not come down to the Bahamas and impose her ways. She came down to the Bahamas and she learned about the people. She learned about the culture and valued it so much so that she developed that cultural exchange program for 30 years. Children went back and forth from Chicago to the Bahamas and were really positioned with families that were just right. Same kids, same age, same disposition, really carefully uh, cultivated relationships that last to this day. Um, and so when I look at from then until now, and this is being the 50th year and, and surely um, having, you know, because the name of our organization is the Shirley Hall Bass Legacy Project, um, Shirley had such a foundational and significant role in that first Independence Day extravaganza. When Faith and I were young professors at COB and we were doing our foundations course, the arts in white paper for education was written into what was part of that value of the culture, what children needed to learn and, and have celebrated. So I think looking at where we are now, we're in, a, we're in an egregious situation. Oh. We have 50,000, over 50,000 public school children in Nassau alone. Mm -hmm. No certified drama teachers. Mm -hmm. That's data from this summer. And, and with you retiring, <laughs> okay, we've, got every, we've, we've only got about four certified dance teachers um, working in, in public schools. And I say that not because you have to have a professional dance teacher, but to show you that if we don't have dance degree programs or theater degree programs at the University of the Bahamas, if we don't have dance degree programs um, and really supportive programming in high school for students, the arts are, are, are skills that you develop over a lifetime. Right. It's, it's the few and far between that decide when they're 20 or 18 or 16 years old, they're going to be a professional dancer. But even more important than that, when we talk about nation building, in the Bahamas, dance is a direct connection to the culture. It's Absolutely. a direct connection to Africa. Absolutely. It's a direct connection to the legacy of a people, not as fluff, not as something that, oh, look at what we're doing for the tourists, but as a, as a way of pushing back against colonization. Absolutely. As a way of, of pushing back against what we're told is valuable art. Ballet is not it. Right. I, want, I want to see some folkloric forms taught in public schools in the Bahamas so that the children have a strong sense of identity and a sense of pride. And I'm, I'm not saying that's, I'm saying that's not happening now. I'm saying that that is not happening no, now. No, it's not. And we, and we need to see a shift. No, it's not. Hmm. Yes, I, I, I am. I have uh, nieces who take ballet, and we have had so so many discussions about ballet as the foundation. I've been trying to to push push back against them because they keep saying, "Auntie Faith." Ballet is the foundation. You can't have, you can't do any other dance bef before you have the foundation of dance, uh, before you have the, the foundation of ballet. And I'm saying, well, what about those people in other countries or in our own country who can do what you do 
without that without that ballet experience and they're saying hmm, well they can't do it as well as we can mm -hmm. but but you know again 50 years later where is our own where is our own dance our own cultural dance in this milieu of of performance that we're so good at that's just really innate within us as a people as a culture uh so yes we do need to to foster a, an appreciation for our own culture, for our own dance, our own dance movements, our own our own dance culture, and I think I think we are we are on the way, and it needs to be continually fostered as as, as we develop as as a nation. Well said, both. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry, it's just really. I think Faith is bringing up the really interesting points about around curriculum development mm -hmm. and who, and who decides what is valuable information absolutely um, what's been most outstanding not just this idea of like you know what is professional or what is quality performing arts but the other question is what does performing arts and dance bring to an everyday person who's not Abs a professional absolutely what kind of discipline you know what kind of culture community collaboration mm -hmm. these life skills self-care in the bahamas health and wellness tied to dance. I couldn't think of anything more important hmm. to bring to public school children. Well, there's a, we have a long road ahead of us. Um, like I, I think I, I mentioned to you at some point, um, I, I went through the document that you, um, that you had, that, that you sent to me and I'm going like, damn, this is a, this is good stuff. Um, but how, how do you get it to work? And I believe that there's so much missing before this can actually take its effect. I think, you will do this, and this will happen, but uh, you you got to be prepared to carry the load that's got, that's going to go along with trying to to do this, uh, because there's been so much missing. Like I said to you earlier, uh, we well we should have by now uh, we should have been working, continuing the work of persons like Miss Bass and uh, and Mr. Farrington and Alex Zabane and all this. And, and everything is just, they, they left us and everything just went plop on the ground. And, uh, and so nobody have a clue. Um, we have always been uh, kind of uh, dependent on somebody else. Now we have to depend on ourselves. And some persons don't know where to turn. And that's a, and that's a sad thing. That kind of bothers me. Uh, I mean, I go back to people saying stuff about, oh, we don't have shows in here in the, in the bombs anymore. And I said, you know, it's our fault. And the reason why we don't have those shows is that when those persons were here, we were making all this money. Now they're not here. And when they were doing this, we should have been preparing for the day that they actually left. We didn't. Uh, we should have been, been preparing for the day uh, Ms. Bass, Zabane, Farrington, everybody, so that we could have just stepped in and, as a matter of fact, make it better. It happened with uh, Ailey in New York. Judah Jameson stepped into Ailey's shoe, and you see what happens. They have a whole building that runs a whole block. So we have we have a bad thing about continuation and and picking up things. Yeah, uh, we we yeah. But I I I am really uh, um excited about this project, uh, the Shirley Hall Bass. Uh, legacy project and like i said i've known Ms. bass uh i've worked with her we've worked in the same space uh for many years and then had to pick up slack for her when she left to go to chicago to do her show during the summer 
Uh, you were taking Ms. Bass class this week, Mr. Bay, and you have to do this. And I I got to see what type of person she was, and she always used the word she doesn't like slop, and I knew exactly what that meant. And with mediocrity was not the uh, not the other day for, for her. And uh, and so to do this and have this in our honor is such a it's such a uh, it's such a great honor. And um, I just want to read a bit of it. And you talked about so persons know what this um, Shirley Hall Bass Legacy Project is. It supports performing art education in the Bahamas by developing and promoting youth programs, scholarships, research, K to twelve standard ed, um, curriculum development, and advocacy work. And your mission uh, is to inspire possible uh, possibilities and promote national building through performing arts education programs uh, uh, that strengthens school and communities with limited art access throughout the Bahamas. And your vision is to be a leader in performing arts education by utilizing the arts as a catalyst to help students develop a creative spirit, long-lasting collaborative relationship, and life skills uh, for individual success. Um, I think that's 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 a lot of stuff. And sounds lofty, doesn't it? It sounds lofty, but I can tell you, it's very it's very practical. It is. I'll put, I'll put it to you like this: We are at an advantage in a way in the Bahamas that, unlike in Jamaica, where they have national standards and a curriculum and a national dance company that's been very well established. When Faith and I really came down to bare bones of interviewing 25 dance professionals and associates of Shirley in 2019, and we found out the data that I shared with you earlier about mm -hmm. the deficit of trained dance professionals and theater professionals in the public schools, we had to we had to really put our heads to, to the metal as, as educators, as mm -hmm. teachers of teachers and say, well, how do you make more dancers? By making more dance educators. So we have a very comprehensive vision of not only developing performing arts standards for kindergarten through 12th grade, but Faith and I have also been collaborating with Dr. Strawn at UB on the development of a survey to find out the level of interest in a performing arts and dance degree. There's an advisory board already established. I know you're on that advisory board, mm -hmm. but the Shirley Hall Bass Legacy Project, we're not waiting for two years for another meeting. We're pushing forward, finding out the steps necessary to get a degree program in place. We can't send kids abroad and we can't say that we don't have talented teachers and dancers here. Mm -hmm. We just need to be able to provide them with the standards so that everyone, whether you're on a family island, if you're in Agua, you should have quality performing arts opportunities at your public school. Yes, everyone absolutely. should have Completely that opportunity. Agree. Yeah. So it's about working with Ministry of Education. We've had several, two professional development workshops, um, which were very well attended to make sure that the teachers, not just the dance teachers, but the classroom teachers are providing their students with movement opportunities and a cultural understanding of how important the performing arts are in not just your own life, but in the maintenance of culture. The Bahamas tourism is based on culture. I know. And I know. Culture yeah. should be, yeah, culture should be part of tourism. It should be, yeah, I know there's a whole discussion on that. But we've uh, got a plan basically from kindergarten all the way to university level to make sure that dance doesn't evaporate with one or two people passing on. We I know. have got to maintain it. This is, this, I think the document, what I'm looking at is just, it's just amazing. It encapsulates, uh, uh, um, 
things that need to happen. My my thing about it, my um, concern about it, is that this wonderful document, um, how do we implement it? How do we make it work? How do we how we get it all to happen? How do we get people to to understand its importance? Um, how do we get people to understand the importance of of the arts? Period. Because people, I think, persons have a superficial um, idea of what we're talking about. Um, and so, for some reason, and the thing about it, uh, first of all, I think, and uh, before we could start to educate the public, we really and truly, really, really and truly need to educate the teachers as well. The teachers are the ones that lack, they're, they're the key. They're the key. Uh, and one of the reasons we're not as, as successful right now with dance in, say, in the high schools or dance period is because uh, I think the teachers are just not prepared. And this is exactly why I'm so excited to be partnering with Dr. Faith Butler here, mm -hmm. because she has access to the School of Education, where we have a voice and a platform mm -hmm. to say, wow, these children are really post-COVID struggling with their, with their lessons. Would an arts programming increase their attendance and get them more motivated? Because that's the data that we've seen regionally, right? That arts programming increases student attendance, increases student participation. I got to get to school today, mommy. I have a show. We have rehearsal, right? And then on the slide, guess what the kid is doing? They're also learning. Um, and so what you're saying about teachers is, is really important, but our, one of our regional partners, Dr. Uh, Nicolene deGrasse Johnson, talked about how important it is to get the buy-in of principals. And right. that's exactly right. right. Because it is the principal, right? It's bringing in the professional development. It's the principal that is looking at the classroom teacher to say, hey, are you getting your six and seven-year-olds up and moving around? Are you teaching phonics using their bodies in creative ways so that children are being respected? Because children like to move, right? Absolutely. And by celebrating culture, by introducing children to dance, not with classical ballet, right? But with Junkanoo or with a folkloric form or with a stick dance. Now you're talking to me. Now you're talking to that fourth grade boy that I know you were yeah. who wanted to get up and move and find some rhythm. So I think you're right, Robert. It is about educating teachers. It's about getting buy-in from the principal. And my understanding from researching Lavinia Williams, who of course started the National Dance School back yes. in the day. In 1976, yes. Lavinia did that. She had a model that she did in Jamaica, Guyana, the Bahamas, Trinidad, she traveled all over with the same model. And the model was to get culture, the Ministry of Culture to work with the Ministry of Education to fund those national programs and those national schools. Yeah. That is what I disconnect in the Bahamas, that it's not just the role of education and it's not just the role of culture, that dance education, performing arts education should be supported by both ministries working in collaboration. So that that's another point. Um, and I, I think the last one is funding. Um, we have big plans about our, our, our funding, but to educate the teachers, to provide professional development for principals, to get engagement from communities takes funds. Join me for a continuation of this discussion with Kristen Carroll and Faith Butler. You're listening to Tea and Talk.
The views and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entity or organizations.